Well, we've been, we've been walking through a theme over the past couple of weeks, uh, don't waste your life. I, I feel like that goes hand in hand, right? I mean, to, to waste our life is to miss out on that call that God has, that God has for, for each and for every person. And that call might look different depending on who you are. And we'll kind of talk about that a little bit this morning. But, but there is a call, there is an invitation, there's a way that God is, is working in your life and wants to work in and through your life. Uh, so it's an invitation that he has for us to live a life that is filled with, with meaning and with purpose, rather than just living for the now, rather than just living for whatever temporary uh, or and fleeting comforts and pleasures that we might have or that we might think that we have, uh, rather than just... Uh, Figuring out life in the midst of the, the mess of this world, there's an invitation for us to, instead of living for ourselves, to live for the one who gave himself for us, uh, to live for the one who made us, who knows us, the, the one who invites us to live not just for the here and now, but to live for eternity. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit more this morning, uh, a little bit more about a life that has meaning and purpose as well as eternal significance. And our scripture reading is found in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, We're reading verses 14 through 30. I invite you to open your Bibles with me there. Matthew chapter 25, uh, verse 14 through 30. Uh, Jesus is uh, in the midst of a teaching, and he's uh, giving instruction, and then he's teaching through parables. And so he offers this parable about the kingdom of God to us. He says again, uh, it being the kingdom of God, will be like a man who's going on a journey and called his servants, and he entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
This is the word of God for us, the people of God. All right, so again, this, this parable of Jesus is part of a larger teaching of Jesus that includes both some instruction as well as other parables. And they're all focused on the kingdom of God and more importantly so, uh, what happens when Jesus returns and we enter into the fullness of his kingdom? And in this chapter in particular, in Matthew chapter 25, uh, these three parables that Jesus tells us, uh, that he teaches us with, have some kind of underlying questions that they are asking of us. Uh, I mean, they're asking, you know, are you ready for Jesus' return? Are you ready for when the master comes back? Have you prepared yourself in this life for that life that is to come? And are you living faithfully in the here and now in response uh, to the one who created you, to the one who loves you, to the one who has offered himself to you? And so these parables operate with this understanding that, that we know that there is an end that will come. Uh, hopefully we all have realized that, that there is an end that will come uh, in our lives, that there's an end of this world that will come, and there will be a world that is to come. Uh, it, they operate with the understanding that, that what we do in this life matters, that what we do, what happens here and now, what we do with what we've been given, that it matters, what we do here is preparation for the eternity that is to come. In this particular parable uh, that Jesus is telling, it begins with a wealthy man who's going on a journey, and so he calls his servants to them, and he entrusts. He entrusts his wealth to them. Uh, In the story, in this parable, the the wealthy man is God. It's Jesus. And the wealth that he has entrusted to us is, is all of creation because it all is his. Everything in all of creation belongs to him. And he's entrusted it to us. And he's given each of us like our own special peace and part of it, gifts and abilities that he's blessed us with, but he's entrusted it all into our hands. The servants are entrusted to manage this wealth. And that's you and me. It's, it's everybody else in all of creation. That's a part of creation's call within our lives. As we are made in his image, there's an invitation to take dominion, to take care of, to take charge of all that he's placed within our hands. And so each of us have been entrusted with something. And, and to, to manage this, to steward it all, God has given each of us gifts and abilities. God has given each of us a, a piece and a part of himself. He's placed himself within us. Uh, some, of these, uh, some of these gifts and abilities are, are more easily monetized in this life than others. Uh, some of these gifts and abilities that God has given us have more prestige or less prestige in this world than others. But each and every person has been entrusted with a part of God's kingdom. And so I want you to look at your neighbor real quick. Tell them you have been entrusted with a part of God's kingdom. You didn't do it. Look at your neighbor (laughs) and tell them you've been entrusted with a part of God's kingdom. So again, I mean, this echoes back into creation, right? This echoes back to when God made the earth and everything in it, and he made human beings. He created us in his image, and he gave us dominion to steward, to manage, to take care of what belongs to him. Regardless of whether people want to acknowledge it or not, uh, the story tells us, it reminds us that the king, the creator, the master in the story is going to return and expect an account of what's been done with what he's entrusted to us. 
Now, in the parable that Jesus tells, it says that there are uh, three servants there. I mean, that's kind of, they're just filling in the gaps for all of us. Uh, And they took notice of what their master had given them. Two of them used what they had been given and doubled it, right? The person with five bags of gold put it to work and earned another five. The person who had two bags of gold put it to work and earned another two. Uh, And then the third person who was given one bag of gold did what? He buried it, right? And so if you gain nothing else, don't bury it, right? Don't, don't bury it. That's not a good thing. Uh, after a long time, the master returns, and it doesn't tell us in the parable, but it makes it seem as though the servants didn't know when he was going to come back. They, they weren't sure when he was going to come back. They knew that it was going to happen, uh, but they didn't know exactly when. And so what they had to do was manage what they had been given until he returned, until the time came when they would give an account of it. So the master comes back and they start to tell him, this is, this is what we did. The one who had been given five bags of gold and doubled it, the master told him, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. To the one who had been given two bags of gold and who had doubled it, he said the same thing. When the person who had been given one bag came with his excuses and his reasons for why he just buried the gift, the master has a different response. And he says, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew all of these things that you say you know about me, if you know how I am, then you would know better than just to do nothing. At least in a bank, I'd gain interest. And the master takes that bag of gold, he gives it to the one who would be faithful with it, and he sends the wicked servant who just buried the gift out into the darkness. Maybe that seems harsh. It's like, well, I mean, why is he sending him out? But when you think about it, I mean, this servant who, who buries this gift, this bag of gold from the master, essentially he wasted it. He wasted his life. He just buried it in a hole. Maybe he didn't start with as much as the others did, but he was given something, something that he had done nothing to earn, nothing to deserve. It was given to him, was entrusted to him, and he did nothing with it. And so he sent away, not because he lost what had been given to him, but because he was unfaithful with the gift. The other two servants were faithful with what had been entrusted to him. The servant who buried it was unfaithful. He did nothing. What the parable is directing us towards is a life that is lived faithfully for the one who has given us everything. And it's asking us to evaluate our lives in the here and now. Are you living faithfully in response to what the master has done for you? Or are you coming up with excuses for why you keep sticking your head in the sand, acting as if there's nothing going on and nothing has been offered to you? I think there's a few important lessons we can learn from this parable as it relates to stewarding stewarding our lives, uh, managing what God has given to us for his greater purposes. And the first thing that we find in the story is that not everybody starts with the same amount. It's a challenge at times for us to accept, right? But the reality of life is that we all start in different places. We all start out life and go through life with different gifts and abilities. If you were born in America, that fact alone means that you have a, a whole set of opportunities that the whole rest of the world doesn't have just 
by the very nature of your being born in this place. And even across the United States and across the different families and regions and places, even in America, some people are born into different opportunities than others. You didn't do anything to put yourself in that place. It's just the nature of where you are, of where it took place. And not only are the opportunities that are in front of us different, but there are people who are born with different gifts and abilities. We don't all have the same gift and ability. Uh, one, of my, one of my children, uh, as I'm thinking about this, he, uh, when he was a child, when he was growing up, he had this almost like photographic memory. <laughs> I, he would read a book, and I would ask him, I was like, hey, you know, what, what was the book about? And he would start just kind of reciting chapters, word by word. We have to say, slow down there. I don't, I don't have time to hear the whole book on tape. Like, I just wanted, you know, a, a short part of it. But, but not everybody can do that. Not everybody has that kind of ability, and it's, and it's okay. We're not all made to have the same gifts and abilities. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it tells us that everybody has been given a gift, and that each gift is valuable and is necessary. Even the gifts that we think might be lesser or that the world around us tries to say is a lesser important, a lesser necessary gift, has a necessary place in the kingdom of God. Like God gave that to you, for you to use, for you to steward, for you to manage for the sake of his kingdom. And the body of Christ cannot function properly without it. And I think somebody needs to hear this this morning, but, but just because the world we live in doesn't value your gifts as much as it does somebody else's, it doesn't mean that God values it less. What you've been entrusted with is necessary for the body of Christ to flourish. What God has given to you is necessary for the body of Christ to flourish. I want you to look to your neighbor and tell them again. This time you got to do it the first time. Tell them, tell them you're gifted and your gift is necessary. Look to your neighbor and tell them you're gifted and your gift is necessary. All right, so, so rather than comparing, rather than comparing what you have with what somebody else has, Instead, begin with just this this attitude of gratitude. Start with giving thanks for what God has given to you. Uh, Start by giving thanks that God has been generous in offering this gift to you. Once Once we've moved out of this comparison trap and thinking about who has what and who does what, we can just say, God, I thank you that you have given this to me. God, I thank you that you've entrusted this gift, this ability, this talent, this call to me. I thank you for that, then, then we can stop worrying about all the other things, and we're set free to serve Him and His purposes. We can become faithful with what we've been given. When we stop the comparison trap, we just say, thank you for what you've done in my life. And, and Scripture tells us when we're faithful with a little, if we feel like it's a little if we're faithful with that. And He says, well done, you've been faithful with a little, now I'm going to entrust you with more. Now, the second thing that we learn in this parable is, it kind of flows from that, but it's, it's that we, it doesn't matter what you start with, it's what you do with it that counts. And it doesn't matter what you start with, it's, it's how you use that gift that you've been offered. The difference between the good and the faithful servant and the wicked and the lazy servant is not how much they started with, it's how they used what they were given. Again, sometimes we worry too much about who has what or what advantages another person has. I can't do what they did because I don't have the gifts that they have. You've never been asked 
to do what somebody else does. God never expected you to do what somebody else did. You were given gifts from the master. You were just asked to be faithful with what was given to you. The person with two bags of gold probably can't do the same thing as the person who had five, and that's okay. The two bags of gold servant is still called good and faithful servant. Because it's not how much he started with and it's not how much he ended with that mattered. It's how he used what was given. Master then again says, because you've been faithful with a little, because you've been faithful with what I entrusted into your hands, you'll be given much. More will be entrusted to you. So use what you've been given. Use your time, use your talent, use your treasures to engage in kingdom pursuits and Christ-centered pursuits. And the master will will say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. The third lesson that we learn in this parable is that using your gift might require a little bit of faith and creativity. Right? The, the reason that the wicked and the lazy servant buried his bag of gold was because he was afraid. At least that's the excuse that he offers. Right? I mean, maybe, maybe he was worried that if he did something with it and he lost it, that the master would be upset. I think, the, I think the master's response is telling, though. Master tells the servant, he says, if you really knew me, if you knew me, if you knew my heart, if you knew what was really important and mattered to me, you could have done something other than just bearing it. If you know that I am the kind of person who can gather where I haven't sown, who can reap where I haven't planted seed, if you know my heart, and you know my power, and you know my ability, if you had a relationship with me, then you would know I would want you to do something with what I entrusted to you. I mean, the first two servants used what they were given and doubled it. And, and sure, surely in doing this, I mean, there had to be some risk that was involved. Right? They had to go out and they had to take a step of faith and put it into work, put it into practice, make it do something. And what the risk shows is that they knew their master well and that they trusted him. They trusted that they were to take that step of faith, and even if they fell flat on their face, that he would be there to lift them up and to say, well done. I mean, if we think about it in the scriptures, there's the story of Jesus who's walking on the water, and and Peter's like, Lord, if it's you out there, you know, tell me, and I'm going to come out to you. And Jesus says, it's me. And so Peter steps out of the boat. That's a huge risk. You don't step out of a boat over a lake and just think that you're going to stand there. But he, he had his eye on Jesus. He knew the master. And so he took that step of faith. And this story goes on. I mean, Peter looks at the wind and waves. He, he gets distracted. He gets fe- filled with fear and he begins to sink. Uh, Jesus doesn't just let him drown. Jesus doesn't say, Peter, get away from me. I don't know you anymore. He reaches down and he saves him. Right? I mean, it's the same thing with the gifts, with the abilities, with the talents that we've been given, with the, with the good and faithful servants. They trusted that their master would be at work in the midst of what they were doing. As they took that step of faith, they were entrusting themselves into his hands. Same way he had entrusted the gift into their hands. They were able to act boldly because they trusted that they're not just going to be punished for every mistake. That the master who was already generous with them would continue to be gracious with them as well. So they had this sense of freedom to live into this calling, to live into this gifting, to, to, to be free because they trusted in their master. They had a confidence in him. 
What we see from the one talent servant is not only a lack of faith, but really a lack of love for this master who had been generous with him. He was more concerned about himself, about his own security, not so much concerned about serving his master's interests. The parable then is inviting us to live with faith in Jesus, that we can trust the one who gave the gift to start with. If we're using it for his purposes, we can trust that he's going to accomplish the work that needs to be done. Even if we mess up along the way, he is the one who gathers where he hasn't sown, who harvests where the seed hasn't been planted. So if we're entrusting ourselves, if we're entrusting what he gave to us to use it in his purposes and his kingdom, we can trust that he's going to make something good of it. It's not trusting in our wisdom or our ability to get a return, but it's taking the step of faith to follow as he's leading, as he's calling, as he's guiding us within our lives. I mean, scripture reminds us that it's faith the size of a mustard seed that can move mountains. There's this great hymn that uh, I learned when I was little. It says, little is much when God is in it. I mean, we're talking about a Jesus who took just a little bit of bread and fish and fed more than 5,000 people with it. It doesn't matter how much you have. If you take that step of faith, you put it to use out of love for the one who first gave it to you. He can take it and multiply it and use it for the sake of his kingdom. But what our master is looking for is not what we produce, but how faithful we are with what he's given He'll provide the increase. He'll provide. He'll multiply it. He'll make it useful for his purposes. So then the last point that I want to emphasize from the parable today, it kind of expresses the sense of urgency that I believe Jesus tells this parable with. We see that this first servant, as Jesus is passing out these bags of gold, it says that the first servant who had been given five bags of gold, that he went at once to put them to use. And he didn't hesitate. He didn't sit around. He didn't, you know, well, let me see what happens tomorrow. Well, let me just, let me just hold on to this for another week or two and see, see what I can do. It says that he went at once and he put it to work. There was an urgency behind what he was doing. All right, so whatever you've been given is where you start. But don't bury your gift for another day. Don't, don't wait. Don't hesitate. What you have What God has already given you here and now in this moment, there's an invitation to use it today, to put it to work today, to stop waiting around for something else to come, for a better idea to come, for for another gift to come. Start using what you've been given now. Don't bury it. Don't wait. We don't know when the master is going to return. We don't know when that day will be. We don't know when our time on earth will run out. So start living faithfully with what God has given you now. And in light of the world around us, there's a great need for people to experience and know the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus transforms lives because he's made a difference in our lives. He's made a difference in your lives. We know the power that is in Jesus' name. And so there's this great invitation for us to join today in the work that God is doing. He's given you a gift. He's inviting you to use it for his purposes. 
as you put that gift to use, as you use your, your time and your talents and treasures for the sake of the kingdom, as you're seeking first his kingdom, he's going to multiply it. He's going to give the increase. As you're faithful with what you have, Jesus says he's going to entrust even more into your hands. So may this be so among us. And when the time comes, when we meet our master and our savior, Jesus, may he be able to say of you and me, well done, my good and faithful servants. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, I thank you for the ways that you are at work in our lives, the transforming power of your grace and of your mercy within us. I thank you for the ways that you have gifted uh, each person who is in this room, all who are watching online. I thank you for the ways that you have gifted us. Uh, There's an incredible amount of ability, of experience, of wisdom that you've placed within this, your body. And calling us, you're inviting us to use it for your purposes. You've entrusted it into our hands. There's a, there's a world that desperately needs to know of your love, of your grace. A world that so desperately needs to see your power on display. To hear what you have done and what you can do. Lord, I pray that we might be able to take that step of faith. To entrust ourselves and what you've given to us into your hands. We might be able to join together uh, for the sake of your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.